0: On today's Stuncast, we review Errand of Mercy. The Federation and the Klingon Empire are on the brink of war. Spock and Kirk land on the primitive planet known as Organia to secure and protect the strategic location. But then Commander Kor and the Klingons invade. Will Captain Kirk defeat Kor and save the Organians from planetary occupation? Can war be averted? Will Kirk ever develop active listening skills? Find out on Set Podcast to Stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun. The podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron.
1: Kapla to me and all my mighty ancestors.
0: And here with us is Centurion Corey. Hey, great
2: to be here, everybody. Uh, um, just a quick thing though, Clint. I'm actually now a Commodore.
0: Commodore Corey, congrats, Corey.
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, I mean, I wish I could say it was under better circumstances, but we did take on a a human crew. We captured them. I blindfolded them, and I had to interrogate them, and I was told that I had to execute each one. Um, And I did that in the name of the the Romulan Star Empire. I didn't feel great about it, but I did get a promotion.
1: It's good to see that they're more efficient with their paperwork than Starfleet.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely, because I'm excited to say that the next rank is actually Captain so oh, that's, and then that's great. and then there's a, there's um there's another one after that i forgot what it is but then admiral after that so
0: i'll get there one way or another just making your way up the chain Yep. cool <laughs> <laughs> any other dumb bullshit we want to talk about before we get into this episode no
2: that's all i wrote i'm
1: proud of your great right. murderous rampage for glory and ever more paperwork and people to supervise Corey.
2: Thank you, and congratulations on getting your first Klingon episode.
1: Yes, uh, the times has quite changed, and with it, the fashion of facial hair that my people wear.
2: And cranial and... structure, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've had uh, quite the evolution in a very short number of years. In fact, one might even say just one generation.
0: <laughs> well, Emily has a lot to answer for, but that's... Uh, after we get through this episode, so today we're reviewing *Errant of Mercy*. It first aired March twenty third, nineteen sixty seven. It was written by Gene L Kuhn and directed by John Newland.
1: Oh, John.
2: Unofficially titled *The Vietnam Story*. <laughs> ho,
1: ho, ho.
2: That, that's what it was unofficially titled. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, geez. There are no parallels that I could see personally, but...
0: Mm. Me neither. This just totally went over my head. So, yeah. Uh, Corey, why don't you kick us off?
2: All right. Uh, okay. So we get our first mention of the Klingons right off the bat. The negotiation with the Klingon Empire is breaking down. The negotiations between the Federation and the Klingon Empire are breaking down, and the Klingons are suspected to be planning a sneak attack somewhere on the Federation. There's belief that on this planet called Organia...
1: Which sounds super dirty. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you have to learn that like the capital of somewhere in Canada is Regina in school, and you're like, uh...
0: Or Lake Titicaca. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just wait till we get the the episode with the planet called Orgasma.
1: <laughs> Are you shitting
0: me? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm lying.
1: I will say um, this cold open is great. They're on the bridge as they're learning this, and there's a lot of activity. There's like a lot of background actors coming and going, and you get a real sense of hustle and bustle. It, I really like the way it was shot. Normally... On the bridge, everybody's just sort of sitting down looking at their colored squares, but this was real fun. I,
2: I couldn't determine if Organia was a Federation planet or if it was like on the border
0: because it doesn't seem like they're part of the Federation at all. I think it all. was on the border. They're not. Yeah, I think it's on the border between the K- Klingons and, and the Federation.
1: Yeah, so it'd be like a very strategic outpost. I mean, not at all like Vietnam at the beginning of the Vietnam War.
2: Right. But suffice it to say, the Klingons are probably planning to build a base there, so the Enterprise has to get there first and intercept them. Um, and the people that live there are primitive people, and there's, like, musings about, like, oh, it's so sad. I forget who says it. It's, uh, a, it's so sad that there's always...
1: They called it a D- on the Richter scale of civilization.
0: Yeah, of cult, <laughs> culture civilization. So like, they didn't say Richter scale, yes, No, no, did. they did, dude. They yes, 100% they did. did. Really?
1: Yeah, and they said they got a D-. Is it D- the Richter minus. scale?
0: But the Richter scale is doesn't that measure earthquakes, right? Sure does. That's that's hilarious. It's,
1: that Richter was a very prolific Renaissance man.
0: Maybe in the future, just all scales are called Richter scales <laughs> for some reason.
1: It's such a weird, like, thing for them to do because this series has been so invested in like uh, making references to like poems and Greek mythology and like every name is really heavy handed and then they're like, Oh, what are we going to call the civilization scale? I'm like, I don't know. Fuck it. Richter.
2: And this one is exponential as well. I would just like to point out.
1: Mm.
0: Isn't there like, there is an official like civilization rating scale, right? Like we're a type one civilization maybe I should have looked this up before I started talking yeah about I think it's it, the
2: foot but... it was like Freeman Dyson came up with the oh, scale wait, is it it's like how much energy your people use
1: if you've discovered fuel and then if you've discovered like nuclear energy or something right
2: no it's not about discoveries it's about how much energy your civilization uses so oh, it... we don't even use the energy that our own planet produces and to go up on the scale you have to do that and then you have to be able to use all the energy from your sun and then all the energy from your solar system hmm.
0: Yeah, we're like a type like point nine, on on that, I believe. I'm just talking out of my butt right now, but uh, I think that's it.
1: That's interesting that you're talking out of your butt because it sounds pretty similar to all our other recordings.
0: <laughs> now you know my secret. <laughs> I just want to say, too, I like how they say code one declared and everyone knew it was war. War were declared. But so now we know what code one means. That means that's a war. And
1: then what is it? 24 was commit genocide.
0: Yeah. Order 24 is commit genocide on a planetary scale. <laughs> so,
2: I am. Uh, I, I'm currently updating a, a spreadsheet with all of these codes and I do have these two filled in. So we got a little bit of ways to go.
1: Code six is have some, an extra helping of dessert with dinner. You earned it.
0: Yeah.
1: So... They're talking about this outpost, and then immediately, Corey, what happens?
2: Yep. Yeah, so they're talking about how they got to go protect these people, and then the Enterprise is attacked, and they can't see their enemy. There's no Klingon ships that show up in this episode at all, because they are cloaked, or they didn't have a budget, I don't know. But the Enterprise fires back, and they just hit like a debris field, and they destroy whatever is attacking them, and then, yeah, that's when war were declared.
1: I did actually like that Klingons were cloaked from the beginning and that they kind of took that forward into their lore and that like the cloaking device becomes a really big plot point in DS9. um, And I think in TNG, I thought that was kind of a neat little thing.
2: I was trying to think of other examples in media where like, because of the primitive nature of the first product. They had to explain that shit when they got a bigger budget. So, like, these Klingons is a perfect example because I feel like they didn't put the ships in because they didn't want to design other ships. And then, like, their foreheads, they just didn't have the budget to do anything with the forehead. But holy moly, we'll get into this. They certainly explain the shit out of why they didn't have foreheads back then and why they have them (laughs) now. But I was trying to think of, like, other examples in, in pop culture and media of, like, Maybe, like, Doctor Who does this. I have no idea.
1: The only thing I can think of is um, the George Romero movies, you know, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. What is the one I'm forgetting? Night, Dawn, Day, Land, Land of the Dead. Lunch,
2: Lunch of the Dead.
1: Lunch of the Mm -hmm. Dead, and then the filming one. Um, But Night of the Living Dead is in black and white, and then the first color one, there's, like, a bit... I don't know if it's on, like, the commentary or an interview where he's kind of laughing about how the budget was so poor they didn't really have uh, a lot of makeup or, like, design for the zombies. They just sort of had blue paint thrown on them. And then in later films, they kind of keep that as, like, they would have wanted them to be really gruesome looking, but they didn't really have the budget for that. And so that's why the zombies look very human-like throughout those series of movies.
2: okay. And you know, one I just thought of is in A New Hope, the Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. the first one, mm-hmm. how lame the fight is between Obi-Wan and, um, what's that guy's name? <laughs> Darth Vader? Darth Vader. <laughs> and, like, it's, just, it's a really lame fight, and it's explained away way that, like, Obi-Wan is wanting to die, yeah, and that he did it all on purpose, but it's to the effect that you can see, like, they didn't even put it in the, the budget for the lightsaber to go, because it's like it half-mast the entire time.
1: There's... There's also a bit in um, the first Indiana Jones movie where um, this guy comes up. It's when they're in, like, a Marrakesh situation, and he's got, like, this crazy, like, swords, and he's going to fight him, and Indiana Jones just shoots him. Like, you think it's going to be the setup for this big battle? Uh, But Harrison Ford was, like, really sick. They had had this, like, whole thing scripted. And Harrison Ford got food poisoning and was like, I can't do this. What if I just shoot him? It'll be funny.
0: <laughs> wow. I didn't know that, that they actually had like a choreographed plan for that because it's such it's such a famous scene in Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's in a Indiana super Jaws.
1: iconic scene. And it is, uh, it's played so perfectly. Like, I really love that they, mm-hmm. they kept that because, yeah, it is, it is really funny. And like you said, it's iconic.
0: Yeah, and it's so perfect like it really conveys the attitude and character of Indiana Jones you know where he just shoots someone you know doesn't engage in this crazy battle
1: yeah oh, um, like the it it works for the character so well
0: well yeah so so back to the episode they uh they destroy right the the klingon vessel which i didn't it was kind of like weird that they got hit so many times and then they were able to i don't know overcome the element of surprise it
1: was it was really a 10 second like i was like oh man they said oh there's a threat of klingons and they immediately showed up and i was like yes good job we're getting right into it and then it like immediately went away and i was like well all right
2: (laughs) yeah so then we get the the credits and it cuts to the enterprise being above the planet of organia and the klingons aren't there yet Kirk and Spock are going to go down, so they put Sulu in charge of the ship while they go do whatever it is they're going to go do on the planet to try and like scope out these people and try and get them aware that the Klingons are coming.
1: Kirk has a very classic, I'm going off to fight, take care of my sweetheart speech with Sulu.
2: And I feel like the reason Sulu was put in charge is because um, Scotty and McCoy were not available for shooting that week because logically they would be next in line to go down. And TNG really changes this too. Like Picard and Riker never go down and do a, like a solo mission, yes, even though that'd be pretty God. cool. Like there's definitely protocol.
1: This drives me nuts. And I actually watched this episode with my partner, who's very fun, and he was like singing, "Why are the most important people leaving the ship?" I was like, "This is a huge flaw. The captain would never go on an away mission."
0: I do like in TNG because Riker. Is like no, the captain's too precious to go on away missions. I'm gonna go on a- all the away missions from now on, and I think it was because of this, right? Where Spock, like you know, Spock and Kirk are always on the away missions, and so it was a great way on the first episode of TNG for the setup that Riker is gonna always go down, and yeah, the captain is too important to the ship Wh- to, which is to bullshit
2: because one of the first times riker ever becomes a captain n- during um gambit he wants to go down and investigate why picard was killed in a bar fight so he like he he breaks his own down. policy yeah he's gonna he says i'm going to beam down to the planet someone's like your place is on the ship and he's like mm. not this time and it's like it doesn't matter like you're just going down it's to look after personal. like yeah, yeah <laughs> was... so whatever uh, so they beam down to this planet and they notice that the people around there don't really care. Oh, oh go ahead.
0: I'm sorry. I wanted to interrupt Corey. I just wanted to say something with, um, so if I was a captain, I would be a dick to one person on the bridge for like no reason. Right. I would be a jerk to like some comm officer or some helmsman and just single them out and be a jerk to them so that when I need them to abandon me on a planet, Right? Because Kirk was telling Sulu to get out of there (laughs) if they encounter any problems. And Sulu kind of pushes back a bit, but Kirk's like, no, you got to get out of here. So I would be a dick to one specific person, so when they have to abandon me on the planet, they'll do it. They'll be like, yeah, I'll just fucking, you know, cut the cord and run, because you've always been a jerk to me. But
1: then does this mean you'll also be, like, really great to one other person, so that if you... You always have someone who's willing to save your life if you need it. You've got the yin and yang.
0: No, I'd be nice to everyone else to extra isolate that one person. <laughs> like, so
2: you really like if if Roberts is the one you're a dick to, and then uh, you're about to go down on a mission. You're just like, what kind of a mission is this? Who's staying up here? Exactly.
0: What are my Roberts? What is the you're probability of me. death? Because uh, that's I think that was Kirk's concern, right? And it's a, a concern a lot if you go down to the planet. You're worried that your people aren't going to leave when you want them to. They're going to try and save you and fight. But as a captain, you want them to protect your ship and get out of there and bring reinforcements. So, yeah, you definitely want that one person who's willing to betray
1: In you. reality, as a captain, you're not on the front lines because you need to be able to have big picture vision and big picture control. Because you need to be mm-hmm. executing strategy, not just like running into the fray with a bayonet out. And that's what bothers me exactly. so much about the captains going down on away missions and stuff. You're, you're literally endangering every mission and everybody else's job by not doing your job.
0: Exactly. That's one of the reasons Kirk is a bad captain is because he doesn't have delegation skills. He, he doesn't delegate tasks to, uh, well, I think that
2: Starfleet should be a little bit more judicious in who they pick to be a captain. Like knowing that, like if they get a hot captain who's in shape, like a type, type a kind of person like they're gonna to want to do this stuff like if i was in starfleet my captains would be like 85 year old frail men that i never allowed to be admiral like i just never promoted them and then they're gonna stay up on the ship and play chess you know with the brains of the other captain that they're fighting against or
1: possibly uh de- defect and go to the uh romulan so that they can become admirals
2: that's a danger, and that does happen from time to time. And when it does, it's very dangerous for that person that didn't do the promotion.
1: Well, I like in TOS though that they're not like the flagship of the Starfleet yet. No, Everything they are. they're doing, they're just like dropping off supplies, you know, going around being the proctologist of the universe. Like, you kind of get the idea that the Enterprise is kind of a backwater posting, and that's why, you know the president's son got his captainship there. They're like, "Oh, he can't fuck it up too bad. It's a rust bucket."
0: No, I I still think the Enterprise is the the flagship. It's the flagship. It's the best ship, ship but the mission yeah.
2: itself isn't like a classic flagship. It has its mission. It's it's supposed to like push the border.
0: They're yeah, they are they're on the edge of known space. That's why they're doing all that crazy stuff. Kirk is out there on the edge kicking ass spreading his human seed oh my God, that's so to help gross. populate other planets. I knew you were
1: going to say a gross word like seed. I could just feel it coming.
0: His
2: space his seed. space spunk. Yeah. So anyway, the, inter- the Spock and Kirk beam down to this planet and it's like a medieval sort of feel. There's castles and people are dressed up as peasants.
1: And there are goats spray painted green.
2: Yep. <laughs> Trees painted red, goats painted green. It's an alien planet. <laughs> Uh, so no one really cares that they've beamed down. They don't really even, like, seem to acknowledge them. Um, and this purple-robed guy, whose name is Isleborn, greets them. And he says that he heads the Elder Council. Um, he's really hospitable. He lets Spock just, like, look around. He doesn't really even care that, that they're visiting the planet. But he invites Spock and Kirk to come visit the, the council chambers.
1: Yeah, it's, like, super weird, stilted dialogue. Like, he's just, like welcome, from like super far away, and then they're like, you're in grave danger, and he's like, oh, come meet my friends.
2: Yes, super Kirk weird. goes to the council chamber, and he's like, you guys are in huge danger, the Klingons are on the way, we are the good guys, they're the bad guys, you gotta like let us protect you, and the council is like, we don't want to get involved, and more than that, we don't want your help, we don't need your help, we are in absolutely no danger, we... We abhor violence. We love peace. And Kirk gets really, really frustrated with them.
1: But Which is odd because he's so um, diplomatic and reasonable most yeah. of the other time. You know, it's really <laughs> uncharacteristic.
0: I just love how he's like dead set on not listening to these people. And I guess I could see it because if you go down to a, a planet that you think is super primitive... And they're telling you, like, oh, this isn't anything to worry about. We'll be fine. It's like, no, you don't get what's happening. Like, you have your head up your ass. And these guys are going to come and, you know, fuck you up.
1: See, I disagree. This was, like, deeply frustrating to me because we know that Kirk is a dumbass. But he's being, like, extra dumbassy, And even Spock Mm -hmm. is there. And I'm just like, these guys have their heads so far up their own rectums. Like... They don't ask them any questions about why they yes. don't want their help. They don't ask them about Absolutely. their culture. They're not like, why are you so confident? Why aren't you pushing back on like anything? It's super weird. And I'm like, even for two dumbasses, this is they've dialed their intelligence down a lot.
2: <laughs> and and I was annoyed like Spock never he, he like he never figured it out that like these guys are more than they seem. And he never like said, "Wait a second! I've put a bunch of clues together." Uh, he was totally blind to why these guys were so peaceful to the very end, and he, he was never inquisitive. And that and so Kirk is just getting more and more pissed off throughout the entire episode, and he like insults them. He's like, "I don't even know why I would die for the likes of people like you, you hippies."
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and two, Spock is thinks has just as low opinion of them because he's like, "Oh yeah, I checked this place out. Like, this is an arrested culture." For a thousand years, they haven't progressed at all. For 10, so Spock is just as ten thousand. They really years. overshoot
1: okay, all the time periods on this show.
2: <laughs> Spock's like, you know what? I'm dropping them down the Richter scale. There are two now.
1: <laughs> they were a D minus. Now they are two. And yes, that is how the Richter scale of civilization works.
2: <laughs> so the Klingons arrive in orbit, and they attack the Enterprise. And Sulu does what he's told. He bounces and Kirk and Spock are sp- stranded on Organia. Uh, um, the organians offer for the, for them to hide in costumes. So now Kirk and Spock for the rest of the episode are like dressed up like uh, imagine peasants uh, like like peasants in tights, peasants on ice. Sort they're,
1: of. they're dressed like they are in a stage play of
0: Robin Hood. Yes. Mm-hmm. But also Kirk masquerades as an organian and spock masquerades as a vulcan merchant
1: not very effectively
2: yes like the second that the Klingons show up they're like okay there's something different about you two. take this vulcan to get tortured and kirk what was it what was the name kirk assumed it was like marona marona <laughs> uh he was instantly pegged as being different than the other organians and the klingons recruit him to be like a ambassador like to do their bidding sort of like uh a... like
1: in the t- concentration camps when the yeah. the nazis select one jew to be the boss the capo or whatever i will have to say i need to pause here the klingons are masquerading as not klingons but as people with dirty faces with fu manchu mustaches and gold disco chainmail pants
2: yeah, let's talk about the Klingons for a little bit because this is their very first appearance. They don't have ridged foreheads. They're basically like their real only their only um, identifier is their their mustaches, and then I think their faces have been painted. But like, th- did you guys notice that some of them had like some of them were just white as the driven snow, and then some of them had like a like a brown face applied, and then some had hmm. like gray.
1: It looks like in old Spaghetti Westerns when they fight like Indians or Mexicans and it's like Italians with brown face. It's really unsettling and super disappointing as a member of the Klingon delegation. I was like, where are my people? And they don't talk like Gowron.
2: (laughs) There are reasons for this. So I did a little bit of research on why the Klingons changed so much and the The first thing I'll say is that Gene Roddenberry was not on board. And I totally agree with this decision of his. He was like, I don't want to explain why the Klingons changed, why they were, Mm. why they had smooth foreheads and then suddenly they had ridged foreheads. People can use their imaginations. They didn't change. We just didn't have the budget for it. Like, who gives a shit?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But apparently there was a DS9 episode and I haven't really watched DS9 uh, called like uh, something about tribbles. I don't know.
0: Yeah, Trouble with Tribbles, I think, or something. Yeah, it's a...
2: Trials and Tribulations, that's what it was. Oh, that's it, that's it. And in that single episode, they have a B-plot, I guess, where they talk about how the Klingon's foreheads changed due to some sort of a virus. And I was wondering if either of you could talk about that more.
0: Yeah, so here's here's the lowdown. Okay, so in that DS9 episode, uh, Worf is there. And they see the old school Klingons, and they look at Worf. This is Bashir and Miles. They look at him, and they're like, "What's going on?" These guys have all smooth foreheads, and Worf says, "We don't like to talk about it," and that's the only. <laughs> what? <laughs> they kind of hand wave it away, but then there is a Enterprise episode. Is this is is this where you're going? Corey? Yes. Yep. But it was that single
2: line from DS9 which made it so it was now canon.
0: That something weird happened. Yes. Okay. So now there was an Enterprise episode. It was like in the fourth season. And there was some sort of disease that the Klingons inflicted on themselves. And it was running rampant throughout the Klingon Empire or something like that.
2: Yes, I can talk more on this disease.
0: And the only way to cure the disease... Was to inject like human DNA into the cure and then inject that into all the Klingons. So they all looked like, you know, TNG Klingons before that in Enterprise. And then when they injected them, it took away their forehead ridges. So they looked more human. And that's how they canonically explain why in TOS, the Klingons look more like humans. Oh my god! And it's dumb. You're totally Gene Roddenberry is right. It was totally dumb. You didn't need to explain this. <laughs> so, I, from what I understand, there's no
2: grand unifying theory about what happened. And I, from what I understand, like this has been picked up from the extended universe, like books that are written, and then fan theories and whatnot. But like the Klingons were trying to augment themselves, like the humans were with mm-hmm. uh, Khan, and they had this, they had augmented Klingons, and it made your ridges disappear. And it made you a lot more human-like because I think it came from the same technology that that the humans use for Khan. Like, they took it, so it made you look more human-like. But then, like, a disease spread from that. Or maybe one... Yeah, so a disease spread from that. And then um, there was just, like, a class of Klingons that had been afflicted by this. And, like, their descendants that had these round... Or these smooth foreheads. And then Klingons that didn't have it were never afflicted with this disease.
0: Yeah, and I think... Yeah, you're right because there's an also an episode where augments came and they just totally fucked up a ship of Klingons so the Klingons are like, "Oh, why don't we experiment with ourselves and see if we can augment us to, you know, make us stronger and faster and smarter." And then they fuck that up.
1: This is the same problem in the Star Wars universe is that like nobody fucking cares. Like yeah. the ones that came out in the 70s and 80s are there's all these mysteries like why is the not the federation why is the whatever evil uh the empire Empire. what are
2: midichlorians why is
1: the (laughs) empire evil you know nobody cares why jedis are jedis you know Mm -hmm. there's all this stuff and then in the prequels that came out in the 90s they like sought to explain all this and it was like Dude, these were mysteries that were good to have as mysteries. Like, nobody needed answers to this shit.
0: Or, like, one of the uh, two explained things is when Han Solo, like, he has dice, right, on his thing. And then they, like, explain why he has dice. And it's like, we really didn't need an explanation for this.
1: I've been reading the Outlander books, and they do a good job of resolving some mysteries, but then leaving something mysterious and unexplainable That's good. You don't need to like explain why every cranky character is cranky and give them like this big long backstory. Like, sometimes this person is just a dick, or like, sometimes this, you know, wow, whatever happened in that whatever. It's good to have a little bit of mystery lingering in a universe, a fictional universe, because it creates like depth and three dimensionality. If you explain everything, it just is boring then.
2: Yeah, and we talked about this before, like with Lord of the Rings, how it's, nothing's really explained, and it's like, oh, they're just magic because they're magic. There's a Brandon Sanderson series called Mistborn, and in that series, he like lovingly talks about how their magic system is based. Like, if you're you can like push people with magic, but that's because you drank a certain sort of metal, uh, like tin. Tin makes you push. Um, iron makes you like super strong. Um, And it's just like, okay, people really like that series, but I just like, they're magic because they're magic. Come
0: on, I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so the Klingons beam down, and they immediately start committing human rights violations.
1: And uh, this is how, in addition to the human rights violations, this is how they select Kirk to be their, like, go-between. The Klingon guy, like, looks at him, and he's like, you have a tongue. Have you been taught how to use it? And I was like, was that a sex thing? And then, like, the next thing they ask him is, like, where's your smile? He's basically saying, yeah, more. you'd be you'd a be lot prettier. prettier. I was like, are they, like, sex trafficking Kirk now? It was really weird.
2: Yeah. So so Spock, um, he resists their torture methods. There's, like, a beam, like a truth beam that they can put on him. This is all off camera. <laughs> And he comes back on frame and he's like, he's fine. He has mental defenses to, to fend off this torture. And he doesn't tell them anything,
0: but they believe him. They're like, oh yeah, he's a merchant. Like he says. And then the Klingon was said that he has a very disciplined mind. And so that doesn't set off any alarms to them. They're just like, okay, we can take this Vulcan at his word.
2: Yes, and they then release Kirk and Spock to go out into society because they don't really suspect anything from them. And Kirk and Spock immediately go out into the night and they they beat up a Klingon and they steal his grenade. Oh my! It's a sonic grenade, but it's just a painted normal grenade. And they go and they blow up a bunch of explosives because they want to like send a message like this planet's going to resist
0: you. Don't they too say like we need to show these people how to resist the Klingons? Yeah, I think that yeah. was one part of it. They want to
1: like tell them they want to show that the planet will resist even though everyone else on the planet doesn't want to resist and somehow they're like if they see a big explosion it'll like awaken bloodlust in them or something also in that scene they're like we're gonna put this like sonic grenade in all this like munitions and it's like cardboard boxes up against a wall and they like put the grenade in and then the scene of it blowing up is like nowhere near a building like it's so obviously an explosion that was like cut from something else it's really funny
2: (laughs) the they go back to the organian council chamber and the organians just don't understand why Kirk is trying to do this. They they're like please never do an act of violence like this again. And Kirk's like you got to fight back. You can't let these Klingons walk all over you and he's just disgusted that they're not like standing up for their personal liberties. But the Klingons are spying on this conversation. They come into the room and immediately the Organians are like he did it. Um and he's he's not an Organian. His name is Captain James T Kirk of the USS Enterprise. This is his second in command. And um Spock gets taken away to prison, and the what's what's the main Klingon guy's name? Khan? Cor. 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 Kor.
0: Kor. K-O-R.
2: Kor. Kor takes Kirk to have a drink with him um, so they can talk about things before Kirk is put to death for his disobedience.
1: Oh, man. It's and it's kind of like that so Shakespeare episode. boring. I don't even remember what that whole scene was. I wrote the saggy middle, fun. And then also, oh, my God, I don't care about the monologues.
2: Yeah, Kor is basically just trying to get Kirk to tell him about Starfleet operations without having Kirk go through the torture operation. Because if you go through the torture operation, you can become a vegetable, as they say, as they said in the 60s.
1: Also, very upsettingly, Kor is drinking what looks, appears to be a martini. And I just said, that's not blood wine. Uh, and then James, my partner said, he's filtered it out. So it's just the white blood cells.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is good kirk is uh a, he's like not gonna have any of this he's like you're just gonna have to torch me i'm not gonna tell you anything and then they go back and forth and then kirk i don't know if we want to like bleep this out because i don't want to get an explicit tag on this episode but kirk's like can i say it yeah okay he's like uh go climb a tree go <laughs> go climb a tree
0: some stern words
1: yeah i mean it was i think it was i will really have to bleep shocking, that out. yeah um I will say there's a lot that I didn't like about this episode, but one of the things I did like is it is the cheese is cranked up to 11. Like, if you like the little ending quips where they're getting really, like, silly and sassy, I feel like this was full of, like, some real, like, dumbassery, Zaff branigan dialogue, the whole thing. And that's a really good example of Kirk, you know, working blue.
2: Uh, so... Kor gives Kirk 12 hours to decide if he wants to talk, which is very generous for a Klingon. And Kirk gets thrown into a cell with Spock. They hang out there for like six hours. They have no idea what to do. And then suddenly, Eilborn of the Organian Council shows up, and he's like, come with me, you're safe. And like, you don't know where the Klingon guards went. You don't know how he got to the cell. But he takes Kirk and Spock out of the prison and into the council chambers again. And he basically says, I'm going to offer you safety because I said that when you first got to my planet. I'm not going to let them hurt you. They said they were going to hurt you. I can't let that happen. So, like, I don't know why Kirk immediately wasn't like, okay, these guys are a little bit more than they appear.
1: Kirk just goes, fuck you. You ratted on me before. We're not friends anymore.
2: Yeah, he just (laughs) refuses their philosophy about peace. He's like, you guys have no spine. I don't want to defend you.
1: I can't trust you, even though everything you've said has been completely genuine and consistent this whole time.
2: So Core is pissed that the Federation officers have escaped and he orders that 200 Organians are killed and to let everybody know that he's going to do it, he puts the sound of a phaser charging up over the loudspeaker.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's just, I just, I don't even know what to say about it. It's so laughable that that's how you would demonstrate it, especially in a low tech thing. You could have like been like go to your window or something and like look at them standing there they're going to be put to death but no you that's that's the choice that you made showrunners
2: yeah just like a reaction of like william shatner's face and he's like you monsters no stop they're lining them up in the courtyard oh no they're charging up their phasers i can't stop looking (laughs) oh no they've shot all of them oh damn you but that doesn't happen it's just the sound and then we're told that they're dead so Kirk and Spock decided that they're going to get their phasers back, and they're going to go John Rambo and try and take down all the Klingon soldiers on the planet. Mm. And uh, that's what they do. And I should say, like, th- there's like a hint that these, th- th- these councilmen are psychic because they're like saying things that have happened that even though they're nowhere near when it happened...
0: Is this a scene where they're kind of by themselves, like there's no core or Kirk there, and they're just kind of talking to each other, and they're like, we can't let them hurt each other. Yeah. We're going to use violence on each other. We can't let this happen. It's Not like, yes. violence. Yeah. They're
1: ne-
0: they're near the courtyard, and they're prepared to violence each other.
2: Yes. So you get, a, you get a hint that something's going on, and they all like hold hands, and they hum, and they do some sort of a psychic thing, but we as the audience don't know what they're doing quite yet.
0: Oh, but we will.
2: Um, Kirk and Spock fight their way through all the Klingons, and they they are slowly increasing their odds of success because <laughs> Spock calculates how difficult this will be at the start, and then as they go on, he tells them like, "Oh, now it's only one in a seven thousand chance that we'll do this."
1: I really doubt Spock's math. I mean, I feel like we've talked about this before, but it does not seem it does not seem like that would hold up to like a an outside. Uh, verification
0: you're just too dumb to realize how smart Spock is
2: so like the rest <laughs> of the episode goes by pretty fast they burst into Kor's office they're like we're gonna get you you bastard and um, a bunch of guards burst in and they all try to start to fight each other but suddenly they have to drop all of their weapons and they all try to land a punch but none of their punches happen they're all and
1: then... too hot to handle
2: <laughs> yeah they all 350 degrees fahrenheit i don't remember i don't know if they were i don't know if they did fahrenheit or celsius you think they'd do celsius but mm-hmm. um like and there's like a shot that goes up to the enterprise and like everyone stands up all of a sudden because they're preparing to go to war with the klingons in orbit and uh they just it, their seats get too hot
1: yeah they they got some hot pants
2: and then there's like a cool scene that I actually really, really liked. And it's the scene of Kirk who's pissed off that the Organians interfered because if they, he finds out that the Organians had everything to do with this, with the, the fight being nullified. And he's like pissed. He's whiny. He's angry. He's vengeful. He's like, you have no right to interfere in our conflict. We have the right to fight the
0: Klingons.
1: People people have the right to manage their own affairs. The right to handle their own affairs, he says.
0: And both Kirk and Kor are super pissed. And they're both yelling at the Oregonians that they have no right. It's just so funny to see Kirk and Kor, like, on the same side. And they're both pissed that they don't get to kill each other.
1: Yeah. They both, they, uh they get quite a lot of egg on their face where you realize that like all these things that kirk is advocating for i'm like you have not been letting the organians do this the whole time and you and Kor are now on the same side like ugh.
2: and the organians are like yes you guys will have peace eventually i'm sure you will after millions have died and then kirk's like oh my god you're right and he just he 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 gets sheepish and he's like yep yeah, we're, we're being idiots
1: and then the Organians are like, anyway, we're angels. Peace out. <laughs>
2: yeah. They turn into pure light and they just disappear. And they're like, we've been here for millions of years. We used to be like you. I feel like there was another episode that did something like this, too. We used to be violent like you, but we've evolved
0: past that. Was it the Metatrons? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I think it it's was. It's
1: quite a trope that, like, you thought we were primitive, but we're actually superior beings. I mean, even the, like, mama meatloaf one with all the eggs ended up being kind of like that
0: mama what? meatloaf <laughs> what what are you referring to the one where they're in the, the last vine
1: and there's like the muppet that's like a a creature and it has all the eggs and that's why it's attacking oh <laughs>
0: okay the last episode
2: we don't have any branded shirts yet um but i want our first one to be like mama meatloaf and just like have a like a a shitty picture of the meatloaf monster of the the horta Horta. that's what it was called so like the final line not the final line but the line that i got
0: sorry (laughs) it's amazing (laughs) okay so i continue
2: The final line to tie all this up that Kirk says is uh, the Organians are as above us evolutionarily as we are above the amoeba. Uh So, um, and then there's some bullshit on top on the enterprise at the very end where they just muse about what happened like they always do. And then uh, that's the episode.
1: The Klingon uh, disco pants leader does have a closing line that, that did feel that was the thing that felt the most true Klingon to me. Where he's like, Well, if we had been in war, it would have been glorious. And I was like, That's the seeds of the Klingons as yeah. we know and love them right there.
0: Yeah. Just fuck already, you guys.
1: Yeah, really? <laughs> so, are you going to do this? Or... <laughs> <laughs>
0: they
1: like, they well, like. Well,
0: if we can't fight each other, they're like, hey, then we'll have to love each what other. What about
1: consensual violence? <laughs>
2: Uh, I have a fun fact corner. If you guys would like to pull up a seat, yeah. Okay, let me sit down. Sorry. Let me heat up these rocks real quick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Colicos, who played Core in this episode, also played Core in DS Nine. I was
0: I was looking at his his Wikipedia page in Memory Alpha, and I clicked on it. And I'm like, oh my god, Core is Core. <laughs>
2: I have not seen the episode he was in. I'm sure it was a great. He was in a episode.
0: couple episodes. Do you know what we're talking? I mean, do you remember him, Emily? Nope, not at all. He's the Dakar Master. He knows Jedzia. Like, there's an episode where there's like four of them, or three of them, and they're like killing this guy named the albino
1: vaguely i i have a terrible memory so like it's kind of i'm like yeah i guess that could have
0: happened but wait is it the same core clint is he like super old yeah because klingons live like 200 years ish like that's their lifespan
2: ah gotcha
0: yeah so he can he lives long enough i never made that i didn't make that connection until we were actually recording because i was looking at his his page but yeah, he's a he's a DS nine episode. Uh, he's a DS nine character, and he appears in like three to four episodes. Oh,
2: cool. All right. Well, this yeah. uh, this next fun fact, bleeds into that. Um, so Worf wore Kors Baldric, which we see in this episode during the very first season of TNG. That was, oh, that was cool. from the original set.
0: That's interesting.
2: Oh, that's fun. It was um, burlap sack spray painted gold.
1: <laughs> Those pants. I mean, I feel like the pants that the Klingons are wearing are is worth a uh, fashion week post on our Instagram because they are very like Studio 54 look nightclub vibe.
2: Yeah, everyone had great pants this episode. Kirk and, and Spock wore
0: leggings.
1: Kirk had like really tall boots too.
0: Some of the background Klingons were really poorly dressed. Like one of them, it just looked like he was like wearing like literally a burlap sack (laughs) that they just like cut. That's like that's the neck hole. That's
1: the intern. Uh,
2: The Klingons are named after Gene Roddenberry's friend Bob Klingan, C L I N G A N. So that's fun. Hmm. I think that's the funnest fact. I just got a polite hmm from Emily, but I think that (laughs) I got I should have gotten like a, Wow, wow wow. Wow. What? <laughs> and then the final fun fact I have is do you guys remember this isn't this fact is shit. Never mind. And that's all my fun facts. <laughs> what was the bad fun fact though? And I have to know. Yeah, now. what is
1: the unfun fact?
2: Okay. It well, do you guys remember in the cage when uh Pike is fighting that like stone age man with the club and he's like in that weird ruined yes. castle? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the same set. that it's the same set as when Spock and Kirk shoot those two guards, like with their phasers. Yeah. And they, like, roll down the
0: stairs. Same exact set. Zero surprise. Oh, that's interesting. I feel yeah.
1: like, do you think it's in the contract that anytime they build a set for a TOS episode, that they're like, you have to get your money's worth for it? And so they, like, calculate how many times they have to reuse it, like three episodes, and then, you know, the budgetary people won't be mad at us
0: oh for sure yeah for i don't sure. think they built that set for star trek though they probably just used it like it was, used it, it on was the for like it was probably for some medieval movie or something yeah i was gonna say it was, just... it
1: was for that uh adaptation of romeo and juliet that we all did watch in high school where you saw her boob and then you know
2: oh yeah you know
1: what i mean juliet has the oh, long yeah. black hair and I think you see a little bit of boob, and it was filmed around the same era and has like the same like sort of cheesy set quality. Then yeah, the castle is just hanging in the back. And they're like, can we borrow that? Cool. Anyway, um, how do how do we give this a rating, guys? Out of five goblets of blood wine.
2: Uh, well, I'll go first. I. I give it uh, four and a half goblets. I think that the premise of the episode was pretty unique, that the first-in-command and second-in-command are all alone on a planet and they have to figure out the way to solve something. I mean, ultimately, they could have done nothing and nothing would have happened, which kind of sucks. Like, our heroes didn't do anything to solve the story. They just, like, learned a lesson about themselves in the end. Yeah,
1: they actually (laughs) made it worse.
2: They actually did. But uh, it was... I mean, it's cool. Klingons are introduced uh, I, I i was entertained watching it it does drag in the middle hence the the deduction of 0.5 points
0: mm-hmm. emily what do you give it
2: i
1: would also give it for four and a half blood wines for the same reasons like it is really cheesy and fun and i actually i was like there's something going on with the organians but i didn't quite see the twist so they pulled one over on me for the first time and for the first time they let the main characters fail a little bit and not be perfect mm-hmm. which was really fun like they definitely have egg on their face and it was it was really enjoyable um and i well you know i'm gonna give it four blood wines because of how dirty they did my beloved klingons this is like really heartbreaking um because i love them so much and this was a real letdown Minus the
0: gold disco pants. I will also give it four and a half goblets of blood wine out of five. I loved this episode. You know what? I'm going to go crazy. Five out of five blood wine. Oh,
1: shit. You are going this crazy. This is
0: my... It's either my favorite or tied for my favorite episode. It's so... Like, Kirk is making such an ass out of himself the whole time it was hilarious to see just how far his head was up his, his own butt. And I just loved core. And I don't know, just like Kirk versus core was really interesting. A uh, super cheesy. Yeah. I mean, it just it interrupt introduced... you, Clint. like
2: we never talked about core, but like, he was a really cool character. I really, really liked the actor that betrayed him. He did a good job with it. It was a fun antagonist. He wasn't stupid he was just like
0: I'm a Klingon. Yeah,
1: it was super campy, it was super homoerotic. It was it was great.
0: Yeah, Core was great. He was really acting really well and yeah, he was a fun antagonist. He just loved fighting people and and subjugating them and he wasn't, you know, going to apologize for it. Um and I just love the resolution to the Organians just completely played both the the federation and the klingons and uh i just thought it was funny there's like nope you guys don't get to have war we're gonna stop this we're not gonna allow anyone to fight you know you do what we tell you and you know you guys are children and for your own safety we're not gonna have you have your own little war here we're just gonna solve all your problems for you so i just love how the organians just played them such a great episode you guys Loved
1: are it. ruining our chill little planet with our green goats
0: <laughs> what a and to that point like what a performance they put on for the humans right for kirk and
1: Spock. <laughs> right? they're like i thought
2: i said the goats the, the goats did a great <laughs> job this episode too though they did
1: not seem bothered by the fact that they had been spray painted at all No, I do love that they're like, we're just making this up. Like, we're non-corporeal. We're just making this up for your benefit. Like, they even gave them clothes. How weird is that?
0: Like, it wasn't just one person who came out. It's like, oh, we're fine. Don't come to this planet. You know, they had, like, people walking in and out of this castle, and there was, like, commerce going on in the background. So they really put on a show.
2: Wait, I want to say something. So I think, like, throughout TNG TOS DS9 like we keep running into these omnipotent super like powerful beings like like, the, like the one that's like don't come yeah don't come near our planet or we'll destroy you keep us a secret like in that TNG episode and then these guys and then I would submit like Picard would know that these guys existed so he's like oh the Borg are on the way okay well we'll just have them meet our fleet at this planet and then the Borg get there and then their their ship just totally shuts down like this is a very powerful weapon to have in your quiver if you just want to perfectly defend your people
1: yeah but the mm, problem mm-hmm. is that the report would have to come from kirk and he'd be like we we totally defeated the klingons we we were great everyone else oh, that's true you know he's not gonna tell them what really happened come on
0: i would love to see an episode that kind of delves into that a little bit more like i feel like the q i might be biased here but the Q are at the top of the chain of the omnipotent being chain. Like, there's other beings that are less omnipotent and all powerful than them. Like, they, they're incorporeal and they have powers, but they're not as powerful as the Q. But to see, like, a council like the Metatrons, right? Who made Kirk fight the lizard guy, and the Organians and other, like, non corporeal races like, like having a, what kind a of
1: conference.
2: Oh, like yeah. the creatures from the cage, those big brain
0: dudes. Maybe they're not. They're not like. They can you know, make anything reality, homie. Uh, they can make you think anything's reality. They can make you think
2: reality, it's reality. They're
1: just creating real. illusions.
0: Yeah.
2: Anyway, they all have a big war, and it's called Star Trek Psychic Wars.
1: <laughs> oh, I like it. And none of the like none of the corporeal beings know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, it's like in D in Dragon Ball Z when the really high level uh, characters are fighting each other, like Goku and Frieza, and like no one can see anything, like they're just standing still. But like Piccolo's watching, and he's like, "Oh my god, their moves are so brilliant, but like they're moving so fast that you can't even see them." So that's how the war would be. Don't listen to me. That I don't know that's officially
1: about. the dorkiest reference that has happened on this uh, episode, chock full of dorky nineties references so we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna leave we're gonna end on your shame
2: Corey. all right well this is a great place to end then
0: wait no i want to make emily answer for her crimes so as a klingon fan you're just talking about you you were kind of talking about i remember in our Goodlith episode you're like yeah the klingons are like or like mongolians they just take over the place but as long as you swear fealty to them they'll just let you alone and, and be yourself but we saw how bad they are right they come in they make everyone forced labor camps and you'll just die and they have all these rules right that you can't have any public gatherings of more than three people and just very arcane and cruel what do you have to say for yourself emily
1: Uh, I say that I drank all the blood wine and don't remember those years, you know. It was before they installed the forehead wrinkles and uh, we developed such striking Klingon operas and advanced Klingon science. Uh, It was a different time. Uh, um, Oh, that's my Klingon phone. I've, I've got to go. Good chatting with you. Goodbye.
0: All right. Well, I accept that. Okay, everyone. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. And until we see you again, keep on trekking.